0: Well good morning everyone. Good to see you as always. Let me open us with a word of prayer and then I'll say all that I have to say and then we'll jump into the completion of the teaching that I was trying to finish last week and um, and then we'll go from there. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this Sunday school class. I thank you for the blessings it is for us to be able to pray together and get to know one another better through prayer. And I thank you, Lord, that as we've shared requests this morning, we have the confidence that you hear our requests and that you'll work them out according to your perfect will. So I pray that we would continue to be an encouragement to one another and a help to one another. And I pray that our time together today would be encouraging to us. And as I turn part of our attention to your word, I pray that you give me the right words to say and you'll help us hear uh, what you have for us. And... And Lord, for all the other things that we'll talk about, I just pray that you will go before us and you'll work out everything according to your perfect will. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn our attention back to 2 Peter. And as we were coming to the end of our study, I mentioned that we had already covered in a verse-by-verse fashion the foundational first four verses. And, and I had that simple three-part outline, the messenger of God, the work of God. We spent several weeks talking about God being the one at work. And then what we started to cover last week and what I highlighted was the Word of God. And as I mentioned then, not going verse by verse per se, but the Word of God really is the what permeates everything in this letter. And it begins in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The knowledge of God. Verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. Again, that knowledge is through the word who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Again, the word of God so that by them, those precious and magnificent promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And as I highlighted, the reason why it's so important to constantly be thinking about the Word of God is because false teachers attack the Word of God. That's Satan's mechanism. Second Peter 1 and 3 says there'll be False teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. And you, I'm certain, perhaps have seen it, but certainly from the perspective of where I sit and trying to protect the sheep at Lakeside as elders, we talk about things. False teaching has proliferated in America in an alarming way. Now, there's nothing new under the sun. There's always been false teaching. This book was written 2,000 years ago talking about it. But what happens is through the miracles of technology, that false teaching has a much easier way of getting into the hands and minds of believers, many times unsuspecting, not knowing that it's false. Through the internet, through YouTube, certainly through television, through links on Facebook, on and on it goes. And so we have to be on alert and we have to realize that the dangers and the greatest dangers we face aren't from persecution. Pastor Steve's message this morning was so timely, persecution is a blessing. But at the end of the day, persecution is what we expect from the outside world, where we go to sleep and we put our guard down as we don't expect. What Paul says will happen is that in some churches, savage wolves will rise up from amongst the leadership trying to draw away disciples after them. And as the Bible says, towards the last days, this increases and we're living there. And again, this isn't talking about the difference between people who have different views of the Bible. This is talking about people who, whether they know it or not, are teaching doctrines of demons and they're leading people astray. All of this comes from Satan. He's a liar and the father of lies, his very first temptation of humanity and the garden had to do with twisting and distorting God's Word, did God really say? And he tried to convince Eve that what God did say was not for her good, but for her harm. That God was holding back. And that really comes to the forefront with most of the societal issues today that are impacting churches. The embrace of homosexual agenda, the embrace of any kind of sexual promiscuity of any form, all of those things really come back to this idea of, did God really say that that's sin? He's holding back on you. Did God really say, well, God doesn't want you to be fulfilled. You're misunderstanding it. And as we talked, churches are already going down this road. Even though the Bible warns us Not to be led astray. Don't be deceived. Yet the attacks continue from our enemy who never sleeps. And unsuspecting Christians far too often grab something that looks shiny and nice and it has a hook in it. And they're led astray. I read last week, and I won't read it again, but it's happened in countless churches. I read stuff from the Episcopal Church. Christians losing the ability to discern. I read where the Catholic Church has obvious heretical teaching about Mary as a co-mediatrix, that you should pray to her, all those things, and yet there are Christians that at times aren't discerning about the dangers of the Catholic Church. I alluded to the fact that there was even a situation where Evangelical pastors who should have known better signed off on a statement talking about the common foundations of the faith of Islam and Christianity and they're not even in the same ballpark. And I could have gone on and on and on because the examples never stop. It happens over and over. I think it comes back to what the Scriptures say And I don't have it in my notes, but the Scripture says that people won't stand for sound doctrine, but they'll gather for themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. If all you do is absorb the message of our society, the Bible gets crowded out if you're not careful. And the message of society, of inclusiveness, and all of these things that sound noble, even though they contradict God's Word, They begin to sound pleasant. And so when you have a teacher that comes along and says things that says, wait a minute, I can be a Christian and embrace all of these things? My ears are getting tickled. And it happens over and over and over again. But perhaps that isn't even what most concerns me today. And this is where I was starting to go And I will have to deal with, I just ran too long, so I'm going to finish this thought today. Even if you listen to me about Catholicism or or the Episcopal Church or the other aberrant churches, one of the things that I see that's the greatest danger is an emphasis within evangelical circles of feelings and emotions. Emotions of being so controlled by our feelings that if the Word of God says one thing and my heart says another, I follow my heart and not the Bible. I've come across that more in counseling than I could tell you. I've seen that as a part of every church that Debbie and I have been members of. And when I was first saved in our first church, There were things like that, but I didn't really understand it because I didn't have much knowledge. But as I grew more in my knowledge, I saw it happening more and more and more and more. And people that were close to me and dear to me that I would have thought knew better were willing to jettison the Word of God in a moment of crisis because the outcome of following the Word of God wouldn't make them feel the way they wanted to feel. At the end of the day, The Word of God stands as truth regardless of how we feel about it. Our feelings don't make the Word of God true. Our feelings don't validate the Word of God. It's true because God says it's true, not because of how we feel at a given moment. Now I want to be clear, because this this burdens me a lot, Because we live in a therapeutic society. That's not new to me. Those are words of other people. But everything is about how you feel. Why do we have Disney no longer saying, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Because there's a few people that might feel bad. Because I'm transgender. We're in a society where we're wrapping ourselves in knots over foolishness Because everything is governed by feelings. If my feelings aren't validated, it's a crisis. And again, that's happening out there, but it seeps into the church such that what I feel becomes the most important thing rather than what does God say. Now, again, we are wonderfully made. Even though we live in a world of sin, God created us, created man in his image, and emotions in and of themselves are not sinful. I want to be careful with that. Some emotions are sinful, but the fact that we have emotions is how God made us. Jesus, fully God, fully man, expressed a range of emotions and feelings. I'm not saying those things aren't real. So, for example, it was very well familiar to us at Lazarus' funeral, so to speak, Jesus wept. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead, but he saw the heartache and the anguish of the people and it brought him to tears. Jesus felt compassion. For example, in Mark 6:34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. And he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. We know that Jesus at times had righteous anger as when he cleansed the temple and turned over the tables and rebuked them for making his house a robber's den. And his body had real feelings. He felt pain, he felt tired, he felt hunger goes even beyond that. Even emotions like hate aren't in and of themselves always sinful. They can be, but God hates. For example, Proverbs Proverbs 6, 16-19. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. And then you can go through them. Certainly God, perhaps what is the greatest expression to us, of what we would term an emotion is God's love. 1 John 4, for example, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and goes on making it clear. So I'm not saying that our emotions are always wrong, or that our emotions are always evil. What I'm saying is our emotions never trump the word of god period ever false teachers rely on that because they can manipulate your emotions which is the intro to twist scripture that's what satan did with eve she looked and saw that the tree looked good that was desirable that was good satan knows how to play On these things so God created us with emotions but after the fall we're born into sin even our emotions are corrupted so yes we can have legitimate emotions from the Lord there's nothing wrong with them but we have to be careful if we ever get to a situation where we think our emotions negate Scripture Again, I feel like that's one of the greatest tools of false teachers today. They manipulate our emotions. They make us want things that God said don't want. They make us desire things that God forbids. And just like Eve, we look and go, that looks, maybe I should reconsider First John two fifteen and 16 really sums up everything about the world around us. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. Countless churches have modified everything they do to appeal to those very things. To tell you what you want to hear. To tell you that if you come here, we'll give you a better career and we'll make you happier and you'll be more successful and you'll have more money. What I want to emphasize to you as we go through Second Peter and what I would pray the work that God would do in your heart is that you would always view your own emotions, even when you're reading a scripture that is very hard, That you'll always view your own emotions with suspicion. They're not always wrong. But if they ever lead you against the word of God, they're definitely wrong. We need to always remember, and I think many of us do, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? It pulls us away. And if we're not careful, we grab the shiny ring even though God said don't. Satan knows how to manipulate us. I'll never forget, and I've shared this before, but I'll share it again because it still resonates in my mind Debbie and I were at a church in Fresno, and they had a men's breakfast or something like that. And an old man got up. (sighs) At the time, I thought he was an old man. (laughs) That was just one of those aha moments of like, uh uh-oh. I was young. I was probably 30. Um, So (laughs) life was very different. Man, life goes by fast, doesn't it? So... Anyway, he, he got up and he was sharing with the group and he got choked up and he started getting emotional. It puts a lump in my throat. You hear somebody sharing from the heart and I'll never forget this. He kind of caught himself and he stopped and he said, ignore that. He said, don't, don't be moved by my emotions. He said, you know, in Hollywood, they can manipulate my emotions. I can cry at a movie. I can cry at a TV show. He said, don't, don't, don't be moved by that. And I still remember this old guy talking about that, however old he was. But it was a good lesson that our, we're easily manipulated. The queen dies and we all tune in because we're fascinated. And I have a feeling that when Charles is officially coronated and all the pomp and circumstance, we'll go, ooh, ah, The point is this. We need to always go back to the Word of God, not how we feel at any given moment in time. Again, our emotions are from God. Our feelings are from God. There's a reason most of us feel pain when we touch something hurtful because it's what God designed so that we avoid it. But don't base your life on your feelings. I say this and I... It's not me as a pastor. This was me before I was ever in seminary. And I say this not to pat myself on the back, but it's true. I trust the Word of God more than I trust what I can see and touch and feel. I don't know how many people that I've seen over the years, either read about or seen interviews or even that I've talked to that absolutely believe something that contradicts Scripture. Why? Because they say they saw it or somebody they know saw it, or they touched it. I did a paper years ago on demonic possession for seminary. It was a terrible paper, not bad outcome. It's just oppressive. You don't want to learn about demons, trust me. But it was amazing the amount of bad theology that came because people went to places like I'm going and been in, and they saw something, and they said, well, then that must mean the Bible doesn't mean that. In Mark 13... 21 and 22. Jesus said, And then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Here's the point. There's a lot of supernatural things that aren't from God. God. I wouldn't always argue about whether people saw something or not. It's just irrelevant. The Bible's truth. Satan can do amazing things. He can work counterfeit miracles. Remember the story of Moses when he went to Pharaoh. Time and time again, he was doing things supernaturally from God that the magicians of Egypt could duplicate. They couldn't duplicate them all. But they could duplicate many of them. How did they do it? Through demonic powers. I'm convinced. So when I look at the scriptures, I know the world is full of demonic activity. It's hidden more here than it will be in Benin. But it's everywhere. So, so I'm not swayed by what I see or touch because I know that Satan can manipulate all those things. More bad theology comes from feelings and emotions than almost anything else, it seems, amongst genuine believers. Well, I know God wants this. And even though this contradicts the Bible, I know what God wants. That is so contradictory and sad, it should never come out of someone's mouth and yet I've seen it over and over and over and over over again. People will justify behavior that is patently sinful because I just feel peace. Let me encourage you, as we study Second Peter, take seriously the words that the Scriptures are enough. You don't need to supplement the Bible with how you feel. You don't need to supplement the Bible with your own emotion or experiences. God has given you enough in His Word for everything. Verse 3 of what we covered, 2 Peter 1, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. We have enough. The Bible is all we need, and it's our only hope in these increasingly turbulent times. It dovetails with what Pastor Steve taught, but I'm going to end our time with a quotation from Jesus in John chapter seventeen. Beginning at verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I did not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Please join me as I close our time in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are hearing my voice, and I pray for me, Lord. We live in a world that hates you and hates your word. Lord, in this world is influenced by Satan and his demonic forces such that even in churches doctrines of demons and destructive heresies are introduced. Lord, as Satan tempted Eve in the garden to question your word? Is it really for your good? Lord, help us Fight that battle in our own hearts. I pray that you will impress upon each one of us and, and in turn all those we interact with that you have given us all we need in your word. Lord, I do thank you for emotions. I do thank you for feelings. They're how you created us. But Lord, I pray that you would help us take even our feelings and emotions captive to your word. And Lord, as Satan seeks to devour and destroy and as false teachers continually peddle errors disguised as truth, I pray that all my brothers and sisters in Christ and I pray for me also, Lord, that we can withstand the temptation to have our ears tickled and that no matter the cost or no matter how it makes us feel, We'll trust you and your word above all else. We love you, Lord, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. I will see you, Lord willing, next week, even if it's not in this class.